and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Bimmer. With me, as always, NFL guru, Stephen White. How you doing today, Stephen? Doing good. How about you? Hey, you know what? I'm doing all right. Football's back, and it was a great first week of it. And, like, it feels pretty good that uh, football's back and the games were so good last week, too. Most of them, at any rate. Yeah, most of them. Most of them. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I guess that's a good place to start. What? Looking back at the week, there's a couple things that stand out. Like, we were talking about a little bit before we hit the record button here today, but just how many close games there were. I mean, I don't have it at my fingertips, but I think it might have been some sort of record in terms of how many games were within decided by one point last week. And it was, you know, a good five or six of them, it seems like. Yeah, I, I was definitely surprised. Uh, first, just just it's certainly an anomaly to have so many games uh Decided not by one possession, but by one point, literally one point, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and even a few others were decided by two points. Mm-hmm. And, and we talk about parity in the NFL all the time, but uh, it, it doesn't get any clearer than when you have a weekend of football like we had last week. I think there were only like uh, maybe three handful of, uh, I'm sorry, three games that were what you would consider a blowout and two of those, two of those were on Monday night football. So, uh, yeah. you know, all the rest of the games were pretty competitive, came down to like the last play of the game or maybe even overtime. It, it's just, it is good for the league. I think because you want those close games so that people watch all the way to the end and come back the next week for more thinking, because everybody, almost every team right now, even the, the teams that lost, those teams that lost by a point or two points or a field goal or a missed field goal, right now their fans still think they have a chance. Their fans are still probably pretty high on them. Oh, yeah. Only those, you know, three games or whatever they were, they were the team were beaten by more than 10 points maybe do, are, are their fans down. But all the other fans are like, man, you know, you don't like more victories or what have you, but – you still, if, if you're a Jaguars fan and, and, and you only lost by four to yeah. the Packers, you know, you're probably still feeling pretty good about yourself today. Yeah. You know, same way with the Jets losing by one. Even the Panthers, you know, it, it, crazy as that game was last Thursday night against the Broncos, they still lost on a makeable uh, field goal miss right at the end of the game. Yeah. So, like I said, I think uh, – that's great for the league, and obviously the television viewing numbers bear that out. But I, I just wonder, like, if it's going to be like this every week because I, I don't know if my heart can take it. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I mean, it was a week like Taylor made. For, if like the NFL needed to go out and sell Red Zone, all they got to do is point back to this week and be like, "Listen, man, you can't miss another week like this." <laughs> I'm not even sure Red Zone could keep up last. No, week all it the good like right at the end and, and coming right down to the to the last play here or there and they had to like bounce around and do split screens and stuff so i know yeah man that was awesome i had to keep coming back because i had the for the one o'clock games i had our local fox affiliate had the green bay jaguars game and then i had it i was flipping back and forth between that and red zone and there were times you just get, i got lost in that green bay game because it was so good 
for a while there. Uh, listen, really? I mean, it's just you can't beat that. That's why we watch it. And, and I'm t- that was like that was the perfect opening week af- that you need after a long off season. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I think even the fans of teams that lost in the first week, most of them are still energized right now. So uh, I would imagine those, those TV numbers are probably either stay the same or go up this week just because everybody's you know, oh, yeah. so craving football. And, and now it, it looks like everybody has a chance almost. Yeah, exactly. Almost, <laughs> almost every team. <laughs> right. um, we'll get to the, some of those guys in a minute. Right. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the opener. I mean, I know it's been a week now, but I, I think there's still some a few things that stick out to me in that one. Obviously, people are talking a lot about the headshots that Cam Newton took in that game. That's been sort of the story that's carried through to this. And you probably it was probably no coincidence that the NFL announced – um, the fines for those players <laughs> and a hundred million dollar grant for a uh, concussion injury related research yesterday, huh? Yeah, as soon as I saw the, the <laughs> press release for the concussion research, I'm like, y'all ain't slick, you know, y'all trying oh, to yeah. get people to change the conversation. And the funny thing is, it's gonna work, it yeah. works every time. It did. Our, our, our attention span is so damn short these days. And, you know, just something like that. And who even knows what they're doing with their $100 million? They could be giving it to somebody like a, a big donor or something. Yeah, It's not even really doing much of anything with that money. Uh, but it, it, it changes the conversation, and it shouldn't. And I'll tell you why, because the Cam Newton situation is not going away. No. Now, here's a guy... And we're not talking about on the running plays and stuff like that. Look, he's fair game when he runs the football. Yeah, and and, and that's just a part of it. There's just a, a you know occupational hazard when they have him running power downhill as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But at, you know when he's throwing the football, and especially even more so after he's thrown the football, he's definitely a passer, and he's supposed to get the same protections that every other quarterback. In the league gets. Yeah. Uh, and, and for this guy not to have gotten a single rough in the passer call last year, okay, to me, that's something we probably should have been talking about before the game. Yeah. But definitely after the game, when you see that, look, at some point, I don't know if they did it consciously, out loud or something, but it almost seems like the Denver players said, hey, man, let, let's spear this guy. Yeah. Because you had – Different guys at different times during the game literally just spearing him with their helmet. Yeah. You know, and I'm not talking about like the Von Miller where where, where his their helmets kissed on the sack, even though if that was Drew, Drew Brees or, or Tom Brady, that usually gets called. Oh, I'm yeah. talking about um you know, you know when when uh Brandon Marshall after he's thrown the ball launches head first and goes helmet to helmet. And instead of it being a rough in the passer call or, or unnecessary roughness, they call face mask on the damn offensive lineman. <laughs> and then later you got the the, the, the safety uh, um, just, again, sticking his head out there. Didn't even look like he attempted to tackle him with anything but his helmet, helmet to helmet, and no call. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, it, listen – Cam Newton is bigger than, than most of the quarterbacks that's ever played 
in the NFL. Yeah. And I understand that. He's a big, strong guy. He runs over DBs and stuff like that. But you cannot do anything that makes your brain less susceptible to concussions. Yeah. Like you can't lift enough <clears throat> weights to keep yourself from getting concussions. You can't run enough. You can't do none of that. So yeah. if, if the NFL is serious about player safety, that's supposed to apply to all quarterbacks. If they're serious about protecting quarterbacks, which a lot of these rules are about, that's supposed to apply to all quarterbacks. And so Cam Newton, I know I don't know if it was last year or the year before, one of the refs supposedly told him he wasn't old enough to get a certain call. Yeah. Well, he's old enough. He's the reigning league MVP. Yeah. So the, the truth of the matter here is that the NFL not only shouldn't have tried to change the conversation yesterday, they should have tried to elevate this conversation and make the point that, yeah, we fucked this up and we're going to do better going yeah. forward because everybody saw it. It was the only game on. It's the first game of the season. Yeah. Super Bowl rematch. Yep. Everybody saw those fucking hits. You can't deny what they were. And so if you embrace that and actually, you know, say, own it and say, look, they messed up. In addition to finding the players, we're going to find the referees. Yeah. Something of that nature. And and they're going to fix this. That would have been a lot more palatable to me than this, you know, throwing a hundred million dollars. Yeah. At whichever thing they're trying to do, develop helmets or whatever. Yeah. Who knows what that even what what that money's even gonna do? Yeah. I'm not impressed with that bullshit. You know, that's fucking pocket change for the NFL. Oh, when, yeah. you, when you got teams, you know, the Rams just got <laughs> just got value that, you know, they, they doubled in value. Three billion. Three billion dollars now. <laughs> that is a hundred that's that ain't shit. It really ain't. Not even ten percent, man. Oh, so so again, and I get worked up about this because I just don't like any situation where it looks like, you know, people are getting treated differently. Yeah. And Cam Newton, without a doubt, has been getting treated differently when it comes to those helmet-to-helmet hits. And it has got to change. Yeah. He's a ranked MVP. He's one of the best players in the league. But his brain is no different or, or less important or, 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 or what have you than Drew Brees' brain or Tom yeah. Brady's or Aaron Rodgers' brain. Aaron Rodgers gets all kind of calls. Hell, he got a phantom face mask call to, to, to help him win the game at the end of the Detroit game last year. Yeah. But Cam Newton, the reigning MVP, doesn't get any one of these calls. It was like a plethora of them. It wasn't just one or two hits. It was like five or six. Oh, How yeah, over and over calls? again. And when he did so, get a call, it was offset by some bullshit penalty. Some bullshit. Some bullshit. Like... Okay, you call it intentional ground, and maybe him getting hit in the helmet was a mitigating factor of that intentional. <laughs> yes. I'm just saying, maybe. <laughs> so it's, just, uh, it's just ridiculous. And, and, and uh, once again, hopefully at some point, the NFL stops just paying lip service to player safety and actually steps up. And, and, and the way you have to do this is you have to own it. When yeah. you fuck something up, you have to own it and say, okay. We messed up, but we're going to do better going forward. Yeah. And that's the thing that it seems like the NFL is most loath to do. 
Well, and it's just the consistency of that across the board. It's like, I get it. I get why there are more rules protecting quarterbacks than other players on the field. I mean, it's, you know, it's the one... It's the one position that it's really hard to replicate throughout the NFL. And it's the one position that's really, you know, probably gets at parity more. And it's the one position where teams have invested a lot of not just money, but sort of fan capital and everything like that, if you will, too, because you have a franchise quarterback. That's sort of your selling point. And the Panthers are in that situation. And Cam Newton has the deal deserved that a franchise quarterback deserves. And you've come to expect for that. And it's not just enforcing the rules from Brady to Bleds to Brady to Bleed to Breeze to Cam Newton. It's even just like, you know, the fact that he didn't get taken out of the game or the concussion spotters didn't set it. He didn't get tested or looked at when he kept getting those headshots. There you've got rules and you've got a system in place. And now maybe it's not the best set of rules and maybe it's not the best system in place. But it's at least a starting point. But you just got to have the fucking balls to go out there and enforce the goddamn system. And you've got to have the balls to come out there like they did. Remember this summer, there's that big to do about we're going to start the Case Keenum rule. They're going to find teams and take away draft picks if they find that they're not enforcing the concussion rules the way they're supposed to be enforced. So what did they say in the wake of the Cam Newton stuff? No, we think it was fine. So here you are again. all this big to do about the rules and the system and the procedures in place to prevent this kind of stuff. And they won't do a goddamn thing about it to enforce it. And and that's going to continue to be the problem. Yeah. Uh, You know, you can, you can talk all you want to, but actions will always speak louder than words. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and, and again, to me, okay. Even with the concussion protocol stuff, that's only solving part of the problem. The, the thing yeah. is, uh, the question I've seen a whole bunch of articles reading, written in the last few days or published in the last few days, and they're floating around Twitter. Are the Broncos a dirty team? And the Broncos deny they're a dirty team. This, that, whether they're dirty or not. Well, listen, dirty is usually defined by whether or not you follow the rules. But the rules are only as good as how they're enforced. So mm-hmm. if you're not going to call guys for going helmet to helmet on this big, strong quarterback, guess what they're going to continue to do until you call it? Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing is like, okay, the concussion protocol stuff is fine, but how about we do something before it gets to the point where he's going to get a concussion because he's get, been hit in the head five or six times, okay? That's my biggest thing is like, let's try to prevent it in the first place before it even gets to that. And if you start you know, penalizing guys right off the bat, then you don't see a whole bunch of hits to the head. Like yeah. that. you're never going to see uh, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or, or Drew Brees hit five times in a helmet like that in a game. No way. It just won't happen. Somebody will be kicked out by that point. So again, it just, to me, it comes <laughs> back to whatever double standard they have for Cam, they got to let that shit go, man, and start calling. Yep. And then maybe you won't even have to worry about a concussion at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, they were, they were all set to kick, uh, I forget which player it was, but they were all set to kick him out of the game with that new rule. Yeah. The, the unsportsmanlike, too unsportsmanlike. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually surprised he was the only one that got kicked out at that point because I'd have been, <laughs> I'd have been just as frustrated he, as he was and, and was like, you know, lost my damn eyes. Just, that was terrible. But I'm going to let you handle that. I, I don't even want to, you know. <laughs> 
I don't want to step on your toes because I know you got plenty to say about that game. But yeah, I totally understand. I totally understand why he, he got kicked out in that game. <laughs> well, and that's too bad because I, I like I feel bad for Aaron Donald. Like just a superstar player on just a garbage ass team that shouldn't that should at least be better than they are from season to season. You know, I mean, like that defense should be a lot better than even last year. It should have been a lot better of a defense than it was. But it, you're, it's just like, oh, man. Oh, Steven, I don't know. I, I wake up this morning to the news that Jeff Fisher may or may not be having a have a contract extension coming. And it's interesting because the report was it was John Clayton and he didn't actually report it as sort of the Internet has kind of taken it and, and ran with it. But he said on his radio show that he heard, I heard that Jeff Fisher was going to get a three-year contract extension and it would be announced when they announced the Michael Brockers thing, but I hadn't heard any more about it and nothing's been said since then. So nobody signed on the dotted lines just yet. And we've seen this report of a mysterious Jeff Fisher contract extension coming, excuse me, um, what I think since like April or so. So who the hell knows what's going to happen? I, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't be surprised in the least bit if they gave Jeff Fisher a contract extension just because the owner doesn't seem to give fuck all about a winning team so much as he does a winning bottom line. And he certainly got the winning bottom line already. As you mentioned earlier, the franchise value has doubled since the move to Los Angeles last from this season to last. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's great. And the best part was Jeff Fisher after the game. I'm not going to make any excuses for the way our team played, but we didn't move four <laughs> times in the last year. I'm not going to make excuses, Classic. but let me give you an excuse. Classic. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on, but what I just don't know what else there is to say. It's, it's just the same shit year in and year out. We see this. I mean, I think that's the biggest problem in the NFL is that sort of like it rewards mediocrity because you can make a, you can be an owner of a team and make a ton of money without really having to put the best product you can get on the field. And uh, there's no sort of market correction for that, but we'll see what happens. We'll see if this contract extension doesn't come through this week and uh, they keep losing like that and the Coliseum isn't sold out in November We'll see what happens. Yeah, that, that's when uh, the rubber's going to hit the road. You know, if 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 attendance falls off and all that. But oh, the yeah. thing of it is, is is like there's so many ways for the NFL to make money now. They make so much well, money yeah. off the TV deal. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's actually a big deal anymore. No. Like it, it won't look good for appearances' sake. Uh, but you know. Uh, is that really going to be a deciding factor yeah. when you get all this money from, from the TV deal and licensing and these brand new stadiums that everybody wants to build? And it, I don't know. Right. I don't, and that's kind of upset. That's kind of upturned the way we think about like the business decisions of football anyway. Like yeah. usually, you know, bad attendance, bad record, that automatically meant you were getting fired. Like yeah. somebody said uh, today, I didn't realize that. Well, actually, it was our own 
uh, uh, Lewis uh, began was saying in his his article, which is a great <laughs> article, everybody should read it. Uh, uh, he said that uh, Jeff Fisher is a Ponzi scheme. Yes, but but he said that I think there's never been a head coach who had a losing record after four seasons who was retained. Yeah. So this this will be absolutely unprecedented, you know, if he gets this extension. Um, but I just think that, like, it used to be so much of the money and the revenue you got for football came from, you know, attendance and, you know, yeah. how many tickets sold and this and that and the fourth. And that's still a part of it. But when you got a, you know, how much they making off the TV deal, like billions of dollars? Yeah. When you got a big TV deal like that. I'm just not so sure anymore. No. Well, and even with the stadium game now, it's, it's I mean, all the money's in the premium seats. And that's not some, that's not a huge factor in the Coliseum because the Coliseum in Los Angeles is so old. But they got three years. They're, they're building the stadium in Inglewood in L.A. And they got three years to worry about it. And even if you don't have a winning team, those premium seats are going to do well no matter what because companies and, 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 and rich folks come in and buy those just to have them. You know what I mean? Just to say that they did, yep. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's why they put so much of those. And then also because of the way they work in terms of the revenue sharing with players. You know, the owners can pocket a lot more of the money from those premium seats than they can the general gate revenue or the TV revenue where you get the 55-45 split. So it's just, and, and I guarantee you in Los Angeles, if that team wins three games over the next three years, I guarantee you, that the premiums, the, the suites are going to sell out no matter what because it's going to be it's it's companies that buy those things and that's you take clients there to wine them and dine them and you you have them because it's a status symbol for the company. You don't give a shit. You don't have to give a shit about the product on the field the way that somebody that you know saves up five hundred dollars to take their family to a game one week does. I, I tell yeah, you, those, those people are gonna they're gonna raise hell. Well, yeah, the as they should. I tell you, <laughs> I, yeah, there's another thing that goes with this, and it's not directly associated, and it's not specifically about the Rams. But I, I hope everybody goes and watches, and it's all over our website today. But it's Bruce Smith, Hall of Fame legend Bruce Smith, talking about he's getting his jersey retired tonight in Buffalo by the Bills. Only jer- only player this season who's having his jersey retired which is kind of amazing if you think about it. Um, but he talks about, you know, his years in Buffalo and what this means to him, et cetera, et cetera. It's really good. But at the end of that video, it's about three minutes, so you definitely have time to watch it. At the end of that video, they ask him, what, you know, is really the most important to you in this? Your jersey retirement, you're looking back on your playing career, playing in front of that crowd. And he says that, you know, he goes, you play in a city like Buffalo, you have a special relationship with the fans. And I think this applies to a lot of cities, not just Buffalo, but obviously he's talking about the Bills because that's where this is happening. But you've got a fan base that works hard. They save their money to come to these games. He's like, I always felt like it was my responsibility to go out there on the field and give people their money's worth and to do everything I could to give people their money's worth. I wanted to win games and I wanted to do this. And, you know, you want it, you want those things, but at the end of the day, it's about the fan and the stands and our responsibility in that. And I'm just not sure that mentality is shared as widely throughout the league's cadre of ownership as maybe it used to be. It's hard to argue that it is. I think for the players, again, for the players, it's just a different yeah. 
feeling because you you, you need the crowd feeding off you. And I, I talked about that before on the podcast, but for the suits who just, you know, looking at the bottom line, yeah. uh, not so much. I just, I, I don't think it matters nearly as much anymore. They, they, a lot of these owners are new generation, new breed of owners. And they got into this thing to make money. They didn't get into this. This was a labor of love. The NFL was never supposed to be this when they when they first formulated it. They they couldn't have in a million years believed that you know those first NFL owners that they were going to end up having billion dollar evaluated franchises. They were already rich, most of them. Yeah. But they didn't think that the NFL was going to turn out to be this huge juggernaut. But now it, that it is, that's what it's about. It's about making more money and making more money and, and finding new ways to, to, to get every red cent out of the deal. Yeah. And so I just, I just, I think most teams give it lip service as to wanting to win and really wanting a championship. But I have some serious doubts that that kind of feeling that Bruce Smith was, was, was expressing is still kind of the way – that the, or the feeling you get from front offices and, and especially yeah. like the, the the financial part of uh, each team, that, you know, which is a lot of times it's separate from necessarily GM or whatever, but like yeah. the chief financial officer and all those people, I don't know that they really care that much about whether they win or lose from week to week. Yeah. And, you know, and I understand like, you know, just bringing it back to the, the coach hiring and firing discussion. I mean, I understand that, it's not always in a team's best interest to have too quick of a trigger finger. I mean, you go back, you think about the Browns firing some of the head coaches moves that they've made that really just compound the problems they have where, you know, like the Rob Chudinsky getting fired after year. And not that Rob Chudinsky was the next Tom Landry or anything like that, but you know, you, you sometimes these guys come in and they don't really have much of a roster to work with to, to get off the ground in a year or two even. And you want to be sort of patient with that. But at the same time, it's like you've either, you know, the Rams are in a situation and, and other teams are in similar situations too, but in a situation where you come in right off the bat, you don't take over a very good roster. You make that big trade with Washington for the second overall pick that turned into RG three that year you get the kind of draft picks that you really need to start rebuilding a team and, and do it pretty quickly because they're high draft picks and you can bring in a lot of talent right off the bat. And they did some of that. You know, they have guys like Aaron Donald because of that. But, man, they whiffed on a lot of the players. They never put that all together. And then the result on the field from week to week is I, I picked the Rams to win against Seattle this week because that's exactly how they've been over the last four years. They'll play some terrible team and play a terrible game and look like they're just asleep the whole time. And then they'll come back, they'll beat somebody like the Seahawks, and then the next week they'll lose to the Browns or some team like that. You know, it just it's always the way it is with this team, and it's frustrating. And there's no reason to keep supporting this after four years or after five years. I mean... I wouldn't give I wouldn't even broach the subject of a contract extension with Jeff Fisher until we see what happens this season on the field because there's just no you know what you're going to get with this guy. But it's I, I don't know. I mean, this is not something anyone who has listened to this podcast before has is uh has never heard me talk about. Yeah, but that's the thing like that that's the most 
puzzling part of this is you could see if Jeff Fisher hadn't been as consistent as he's been, why they might offer him an extension. Yeah. But he's been consistently average. Yeah. Which is maybe the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Even if you're consistently bad, okay, we we, we got you paid. You're bad. You know. Yeah. Maybe we can do things, get you better players or whatever. But it's not like Jeff Fisher has had these wild swings of, you know, playoffs and you win a playoff game and next year you lose or whatever. And that's kind of what Gruden did when he was here yeah. after their first year when he won the Super Bowl. You know, one year he goes to the playoffs, next year he wins four games or whatever. And so he kind of gives you that, that, that tease that, okay, maybe with some better players or maybe this or maybe that, he can get you back to the promised land. Jeff Fisher has done none of that. No. And so it's like, do you just, are you okay with being mediocre? Yeah. Yeah, he might beat the Seahawks this week. Of course, uh, Russell Wilson has the ankle injury, and there's other reasons to believe that too. Uh, I think Bradley Sowell is going to get torched probably for most of the season, (laughs) but definitely this week. Um, But but, but just... (laughs) You can't, you can't accept that that's all you have to look for in any given season. It's just, you know, these massive upsets that nobody sees coming, but that's it. Yeah. And, and, and it seems pretty apparent at this point that that's all you're going to get out of Jeff Fisher, and maybe not even that this year Yeah. When, when you, with, with the quarterback situation. Yeah. So uh, it just it, it, it kind of boggles the mind um, how you justify it. Yeah. Right. Like, at the very least, what's the downside to letting it play out there? I don't see a whole bunch of teams lining up to hire Jeff Fisher right now. <laughs> no. So who are you? Who are you even bidding against at the moment? Yeah. Uh, it just it, there, there's no rational explanation that makes sense. And he's already an one ex- of the highest paid coaches in the league right now. Right. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Lower his salary? Yeah. What you're trying to do? I I don't get it. So, again, if there's an argument for this, I would love to hear it, a convincing argument, because I just, I I consider myself to be somewhat smart. And I'm sure you, I know that you're very smart. (laughs) And neither one of us can really come up with an actual line of reasoning where this makes sense <laughs> other than just you, you just don't feel like hiring another coach <laughs> it's like it's it's like the peter Pimp principle taken to an extreme i mean it's just like hey we've got this guy you better not let him get away because i mean as bad as seven and nine is it could we could be four and twelve I, I don't know. I, I just I cannot figure it out for life. And like the the quarterback situation is, is even like to me is even a bigger strike against this work. You had seven months. Now I understand Jared Goff is probably not ready to play in the NFL. There's nothing unusual about a rookie quarterback, even a first round pick, even the first overall pick in the draft, being not being ready to play in the NFL the very first week of the season. But he isn't even far enough along to dress for the game and you've had seven months to coach this guy what the hell and i mean the strange thing to me is is like well, what are you gonna do who on this who on this coaching staff has the experience with coaching and 
and grooming NFL quarterbacks. Nobody. Chris Winkie's the quarterbacks coach. He's the only one that has any experience working directly with quarterbacks. And all that comes from IMG Academy helping guys get ready for the draft. Now, I'm not saying he can't do it. But I'm just saying, if you're going to invest what they did in a quarterback, trade away all those draft picks that they did to get a quarterback that's not even ready to dress the first week of the season, you got to ask yourself some serious questions about what is going wrong here. But um, we'll see. Yeah, And I saw an article today. I'm just having a hard time buying, you know, Something like this is Vince Young Redux. He didn't. He didn't actually want Jared yeah. Goff, and he was forced. I mean, come on, man. I not like. That. I'm not buying it at all. We all knew that he didn't really want Vince Young. Yeah, I don't get that impression at all when it comes to Jared Goff. And if it doesn't work out, it won't be because he was forced on him. Yeah, just kill that noise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he has complete control over the roster. I mean, it's his roster to build. So it's not even like he's, you know, you could blame, you know, like a Ryan Grigson in Indianapolis type situation where there's, you know, a pretty serious divide between the coaching staff and the front office. I don't know, man. I could go on and on, but we, we've got other listeners out there. So they, uh, you can hear me rant. I, I, I'll have a, I can ramble about Jeff Fisher some other time, some <laughs> other place. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're not alone. I think football fans in general don't understand or can't understand this whole Jeff Fisher thing. So I, no. I, I think this is one time when everybody's kind of interested in feeling what you're saying. You know, it's amazing to me too because, like, you see people in the media. You don't see it like you used like you used to see in the media, even like two, three years ago. Just hey, this guy's a good coach. He's got you know he's got he got a lot of work cut out for him taking over this Rams roster. So you know, give him some time, be patient with him. You don't see that as much anymore. But there's still a few quarters of the national NFL media where you still see this. Like I saw a national reporter with the NFL Network saying um, he's a really good coach, and then this national reporter happens to be a big Cal fan too. So you know, take that for, for what it's worth, but. Um, he's a real good coach and he'll, you know, he deserves this and, and you got to just take him at his word for this, but I, I, you can't take the guy at his word for shit because he hasn't done anything to, to have any sort of credibility for that. But and, and, and who else could you possibly, would anybody even say that about like, this sounds absurd on his face. Yeah. It, 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 it just sounds ridiculous on your face, on his face. And it makes the person saying it look even stupider than, than Jeff Fisher. I yeah. mean, like, seriously? Oh, well, you just have to trust that even though he's had four years and he's been 79 three of those years, that he's going to magically make it work? Yeah. How? Like, yeah. I don't understand. I'll never understand that why some people feel so compelled to defend something that's indefensible. Yeah. Like, even, look, I love Rod Mary. Rob Marinelli to death. He was my defensive line coach here in Tampa. But there's no way I can defend his time as head coach of the Lions. He yeah. went 0-16. Yeah. Like, that's in the rule book. You go 0-16, you get fired. There's no <laughs> argument against it. So, look, and I still to this day think he's fantastic coach, think he's a fantastic person. But you can't defend the indefensible. It makes you 
look just as or more foolish than the person you're trying to defend. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wish people would stop there because it doesn't make any sense. Just be quiet. That, that's fine. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to trash Jeff Fisher either. Now I'm not saying you have to join in, but just shut up. Yeah. Just shut up if you don't if you don't want to look stupid. <laughs> it's it's honestly one of the most mind-boggling things about the NFL. I mean, in terms of just the coaches and the world of coaches and players. It, it, it just it boggles the mind. I can't even I, I'm just dumbfounded every week by this. And I apparently I may or may not have three more seasons to be continually dumbfounded by this whole thing. So we'll see. <laughs> All right, hey, speaking of some not questionable front office moves, but poor timing on what you say probably wasn't a good look for the Browns. Um, I, he's not, I don't think his title is general manager, but that's sort of his de facto position. He's their lead personnel guy, but Paul De Podesta came out a couple days before their game last week against the Eagles and said, we didn't think Carson Wentz was a top 20 pick. And so Carson Wentz goes out there against the Browns defense. Not only does he look like a top 20 pick, he damn near looks like the second coming of pay. I mean, like, you know, you were just about ready after watching him take apart that Browns defense to get his Hall of Fame bust ready. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> maybe <laughs> not. Maybe, maybe it wasn't quite that far. But, <laughs> but just on a one-game basis, and being as that he was going against the team uh, of this executive that made those comments, yeah, it, it was fantastic. It was a fantastic performance. You know, I look, it, the Browns defense might as well be a scout team right now. I, yeah. I said that. You don't really know anybody's name on their defense, uh, really. And so I, I, we've been through all that. But, but hey, they, they are NFL players. They got Browns uh, uh, gear on, and, and, and they went out there, and, and Carson Wentz tore them a new one. Yeah. And so um, the, the thing about the comments, though, is, is that they were so unnecessary. Yeah. Um, because if he if he'd have just kept it at, well, we didn't think he was worthy of the number two pick in the draft. There's nothing anybody could have said to yeah. really um, argue that point. Or, or even if you did think he was the number two pick in the draft, you could understand why. Maybe some teams didn't feel that way. Obviously, only one team uh, uh, actually traded up that far to get him. But but when you start saying he's not a, a top twenty quarterback, then you're basically saying he sucks. Yeah. Right. And, and not only that, you think he sucks now, but you think he's going to continue to suck in the future. Yeah. Because when you say make a statement like he's not a top twenty quarterback, normally what that means is you don't think he'll ever be more, you know, a top twenty quarterback because. Yeah, there's plenty of rookie quarterbacks that's not, not going to come into the league and be top top twenty. Um, Jared Goff, like you said, Jared Goff isn't even dressing for games. Yeah. So I would say he's probably not top twenty. That's, that doesn't mean he's going to stay there. But you know, it, it just for no good reason, before a game where the guy had to know his own roster, knew his defense wasn't that good, and and and, and this guy had a chance of. Wentz had a chance of playing against that terrible defense. Why would you say that? Why would you bring <laughs> that kind of attention on yourself when you're the Browns anyway? And I understand they're trying to change things at the Browns. They're trying to get a different winning mentality in there. And I think they have the right head coach yeah. in Hugh Jackson. I think they have made some smart moves. 
so far. But you know you're re- rebuilding this year. You know that what your reputation already is around the league. There's just no reason to bring that kind of undue spotlight on yourself for no reason. And it, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I hope that it's a learning experience for him and that he learns just to shut up again. Shutting up is free. I give that advice all the time. There's so many situations where <laughs> the best option is just shutting the fuck up. Like if you if you can just find a way to keep your lips planted firmly together, yeah, and shut the fuck up, you'll stay. You'll keep yourself out of a lot of trouble oh, sometimes. Yeah. And so I just hope that this is a learning experience because there was no reason for that. Now, do I think Carson Wentz is the second coming? I really don't know what to think of him right now because, like I said. From my view, he, he basically just was going against the scout team last yeah. last week. We'll see as the season progresses if he can keep consistently doing it against better defenses. But that doesn't change the fact that, at least for now, the guy who made those comments looks like a jackass. Yeah, and and, and they won't and it won't go away. They're they're gonna be linked now for a long time because of those comments. Yeah. If Carson Wentz goes out there and makes the Pro Bowl, guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna bring up the fact that the GM that passed on him said this. Yeah. Every single time. All because you opened your damn mouth when nobody really asked you all that. Yeah. So no, uh, I, it, I just and it gives the fans in Cleveland some thought you know if the Browns falter or, or they struggle a little bit more than I think people expect them to struggle over the next year or two. It gives the fans Something else to throw back in their face. Well, y'all let this guy go. And, yeah. Uh, you said he wasn't going to be top 20. All for nothing. It, it just, it, it, you don't make problems for yourself with your mouth. You just don't do that. You yeah. just, there's no reason for it. If a player did something similar, talking about a player that the Browns were about to face, then Hugh Jackson would probably rip him a new one. Yeah. You know, because what they say, you know, don't give them bulletin board material. Don't say this. Don't say that. Man, you got to kind of take the same tact as a front office guy. Yeah. Because, look, especially in this day and age with the internet and everything, everything you say is forever now. Yeah. You ain't no hiding from it. Ain't no, oh, well, maybe nobody will notice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care what obscure <laughs> podcast you say it on, but you know, AM radio station you say it on. If you say it, all it takes is one person to hear it and tweet it out. Somebody's and not a whole notice. world knows it. So you, you just got to be smarter than that. That, that. That's basically, at the end of the day, you just have to be smarter than that because there's n- literally no upside to that. Even if Carson Wentz turns out to not be a top 20 yeah. quarterback. Nobody's ever going to go back and pat him on the back because he said that. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, you know, it's yet another example. People should ask us before they go out and say something stupid, Steve. Yeah, look. (laughs) Hey, man, you got our Twitter handles. Get at us. I I saw somebody (laughs) was tweeting me saying uh, teams should have a P of common sense. And I'm available. I'm just telling you right now. If y'all want to hire me to be the VP of Common Sense, you can hire me tomorrow, Jack. And look, I'll still do my writing on SB Nation, but I just point out, hey, man, that's stupid as hell. Don't do that. It's not hard. It it really isn't. You know, I feel kind of bad for the Browns because, you know, one thing that I was, I mean, never was under sort of any illusion that this was a team that was going to compete 
you know, for double digit wins or a Super Bowl or anything like that this year. But I was kind of excited. Hey, you know, you get RG3's back. He's healthy again. He hasn't played much since 2012. We get to see RG3 and with Terrell Pryor. And, and a few weeks later, we're going to see him with Josh Gordon on the field. And hey, man, this could be a pretty fun you know, they're not a team that's not going to win much. They still ought to be pretty fun to watch. But, man, and then sure as shit, what happens in the first week of the season? First game of the season, RG3 injured back to IR. <laughs> and it was it, – this – he didn't necessarily play great in a way in that game. He had some, right. some good throws early on and guys were dropping the football. But that was just – that was one of the times where – um, he it, it it really it was such a freak incident. Like he's trying to get out of bounds. I was telling somebody else this because, of course, the chatter the next day was, "Oh, you had to see this coming." But he had protected himself well the whole game. Yeah, he's in a situation in the fourth quarter with the clock running and they're down big, and he takes off running, and so he can't throw the football away. He can't really slide, or the, or the clock keeps running. He's trying to get out of bounds. And his tight end is blocking a cornerback. You kind of figure Garrett Barnage can block a cornerback for more than a second so yeah. he can get out of bounds, right? But Garrett Barnage was like, you know, the hell with this, I guess. <laughs> and he just pushed the guy <laughs> and let him go. And then uh... it wasn't so much that the guy, you know, made this devastating hit or whatever. He was just there. He was just there, and, and, and Robert Griffin didn't expect him to be there, and they collided, and now – the guy's got a broken shoulder. And, and maybe the most uh, interesting thing about the situation is he didn't come out the game. No. Yeah, he, threw a, he threw another pass after that. It was incomplete. It was, it was a little off the mark. Uh, and then he came back when they got on the field again and handed the ball off like three times with a broken shoulder. But you know what? Ain't nobody today or even Monday was talking about Man, that RG three is a tough guy. He got he stayed in the game with a broken shoulder. Yeah, everybody was just like, "Oh, well, you had to see this coming." And it's just like I've talked up the guy enough. You know, it, it is what it is. He's on our. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe he'll you know be able to play midseason. Maybe not. I don't know. But I just I feel bad for him because this is one time where literally. He was doing what you expect him to do, basically. He was trying yeah. to get out of bounds, and it just so happened the dude was over there who didn't get blocked and, and broke his damn shoulder. And he still didn't concede defeat. He still stayed in the game, still finished the game out, even though he couldn't really throw the football after that. But for his trouble, he's on the hour now with the broken shoulder. So, yeah. and, and, and look, Josh McCown... I don't know that he's a massive upgrade. He'll probably do some things better than RG3 would and some things worse. But it's just, it's the Browns. You know, I I can't, it wouldn't surprise me if Josh McCown got hurt this week. Like, it it, it was, that that is a bad football team, man. It's bad. Uh, It's one of the worst I've seen in a long time. Yeah. So as much as we were talking about how fun it was, once the pass came on and you saw that the offensive line wasn't really good at pass blocking and the defense wasn't really good at anything, I'm not sure it's going to be any fun there anymore at all. Yeah. No. And 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 it's 
it's gonna, it's just it's gonna be a long season there, man. <laughs> I I just like I mean I hope that all I can say for the Browns at this point is I hope that that comment about Carson Wentz doesn't translate to uh, Deshaun Watson from Clemson too when the draft rolls around this year next year. I'm, I imagine they'll be in good position to get them uh, after this season. <laughs> you know, hell, Deshaun Watson might, I don't know. He ain't having the greatest season right now either. So no, that's true. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, but man, this, uh, yeah, that, that watching that film, it was hard to watch. Yeah. Just to be honest with you, but it's the Browns. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know here's one that's surprising. And, and it's one that you wrote about today that the um the Washington secondary I now I didn't necessarily pick well I didn't pick Washington to win that game I think the Steelers you know are a pretty good team but I, I I certainly didn't think Washington would play as poorly as they did in that game but man they just really didn't seem to know what the hell they were doing in the in on defense there well the thing of it is is that it, I think most people would have assumed that, look, uh, you, you got the backup running back in because Le'Veon Bell can't stay yeah. off the weed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Martavius Bryant can't stay off the weed. <laughs> and so you're left with Antonio Brown. <clears throat> I think most people just assume that Antonio Brown is going to get double because Antonio Brown, that's what teams do to him most of the time. Yeah. You look at uh, Dez Bryant against the Giants. He didn't really have a big day. Why? Because they double teamed him a lot. Yeah. And so when you only have one big time playmaker like that, it, it's almost like a given, like just no brainer. We're going to double team this guy. Yeah. The Bra- the 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 uh, Washington had other ideas. Uh, they they just decided, hey man, not only are we not going to double this guy, we're going to play a lot of single high safety, leave our cornerbacks uh, in one on one press coverage with, without a lot of safety help, um, and, and that's just going to work out fine. And, and not only that, we're not going to disguise this. We're just going to line up in it. We're just going to let them know. Hey, yeah. this is what we're running, and, you know, and and what you gonna do about it, and what <laughs> and what they did about it was bomb the ass out the stadium, and uh, everybody was talking about Josh Norman because Josh Norman didn't didn't go on the right a lot yeah. of times to 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 match up with 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 Antonio Brown, although he did go over there a few times, as I point out uh, in the article. But look, he, it really wouldn't have mattered. It really wouldn't matter because of how they played defense. They weren't. You got to double team Antonio Brown. You just have to. I don't give a shit who you got. Get <laughs> Dion out there in his prime. Antonio Brown is probably going to give his ass to business. Yeah. Period. So, you know, everybody, it, it, it's no shame in a cornerback needing help. Bashar Breeland probably, look, he probably wanted to uh, to phone home, you know, uh, uh, what was a, a, a phone a friend? Lifeline. Uh, <laughs> lifeline. <laughs> lifeline. <laughs> lifeline. Somebody help me over here. <laughs> and Bashar Breeland is not, you know, he's not bad. That's the thing about no, it. No, not at all. So many people don't watch other teams. They have their team and they watch their team. And if they watch another team, it's only because their team playing. Yeah. Their team is playing. 
So I'm sure there's a lot of people that didn't realize it, but Bashad Breeland is not Yeoman Johnson. He's not some slappy out there. But that is what Antonio Brown does to good quarterbacks. He eats their fucking lunch yeah. if you don't double them. You can look at his film. <laughs> it, it, it's chock full of quarterbacks that try to, 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 to single them up. And, and even sometimes when he get double teamed, yeah. he goes off. But, but Washington... Not only did they not come into the game with a plan to double team, evidently they couldn't come up with a plan on the fly after the fact to double them either because after it was apparent that Bashar Breeland was getting his ass torched, they still didn't give him any help. Still didn't give him any help. They still lined up one safety in the middle of the field, just lining up in it with Bashar Breeland and press coverage like – like they just didn't learn their lesson. <laughs> and, and, and to Jocko Norman's credit, you know, the thing of it is, it, you, you get kind of uh, a skewed sense of how good Josh Norman played uh, Antonio Brown. I probably should have kind of pointed this out a little bit more because there were only two times where uh, Roethlisberger threw the ball to Antonio Brown and Josh Norman was covering him. But both of those were on relatively short routes. Mm-hmm. One was like, and then one was kind of like a slant, but he, he kind of stopped. Uh, and both times, Josh Norman almost created a turnover. Yeah. He almost got a pick one time. He almost created a, 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 a cause to fumble one time. It ended up being a, a pass breakup instead. So it looked like, okay, well, he would have had them on lots. Yeah. Well, Bashan on the shorter passes, was pretty good against Antonio Brown, too. He actually, one time, uh, tackled him for no gain on the yeah. pad. Uh, it's those long passes that got their ass because they're in press coverage with no safety help. Yeah. And as I pointed out in the piece, uh, the time, pretty much the one time where Josh Norman was matched up with Antonio Brown and Antonio Brown uh, took him deep, it just so happened that Big Ben didn't see him because he was toasted too. Yeah. So it's it what this ain't really on the players, man. You can't ask the worst thing a coach can do is ask players to do something that they simply physically cannot do. Okay. Yeah. We we saw all those vines from training camp of Washington receivers taking Josh Norman deep, right? Beating yeah. him off press and, and going deep. So to think that he would have any more success than Bashar Breeland did, it's a fantasy. Yeah. The problem was the the call coming in from the sideline. The problem was the game plan itself. Yeah. It wasn't the player. It wasn't because Josh Norman didn't travel, although maybe on the shorter passes, he would have broken up a few more of the shorter passes. But when it comes to the passes that everybody remembers that Bashar Breeland gave up, I'm pretty much sure that Josh Norman would have gave up those same plays because of a shitty game plan. And I yeah. just – I don't know how to go into a game where, like I said, all those other players are dis- are suspended and you don't have a plan to double Antonio Brown in the first damn play. Yeah. Well, and you don't even have to go outside of that division – to see, you know, the flip side of that. And you look at what the Giants did to take Des Bryant out of the game. I mean, Des Bryant had a safety over him all the time. And sure enough, Des Bryant finished the game with eight yards. 
Hey, is, I, I keep saying this. I say it again. It's not rocket science. <laughs> if it was, a lot of coaches in the NFL would not have jobs. <laughs> Except Jeff it's Fisher. Not, well, yeah, he gets another incentive. But it, it's not rocket science, man. They got one legit threat in the in the passing game. The other guys, you know, picked it up a little bit, but they got one guy that you know you got a double team. Double team his ass. It, it, what, what, why wouldn't you? I, I would love to know the explanation of why Joe Barry decided not to double team Antonio Brown. Because I promise you this, pretty much every team for the rest of the season will definitely double team. Yeah. It won't even be a question. They, they still won't all have success with it. Because like I, I said in the piece, you can't literally double a guy every play. It's just impossible to do almost. Yeah. But I bet you they're going to try. Most of these teams are going to try, especially on passing downs. Yeah. Because it just makes sense. Make them run the ball. The Steelers aren't like the 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 uh, Franco Steelers where they just running the football or, or the, <laughs> the betting Steelers where they run the football downhill all the time. It, it, that, that's not who the Steelers are anymore. They're going to throw the ball. So why wouldn't you have – at least keep two safeties deep, man. You can you can play two man with two safeties deep. There's a lot of things you can do with two safeties deep yeah. and give that guy help. But they didn't try any of that shit. No, they just lined the guy up in the middle of the field and said, "Hey, have at it." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen a game plan that made me scratch my head more than that. Like I I said during the game, like. Okay, why aren't they giving this guy any help? I tweeted that out. But I, I seriously didn't expect to see that. When I when I turned on the film, I thought I probably had missed it because, you know, you don't get to see the whole secondary a lot of times mm-hmm. from the TV angle. Yeah. But well, I didn't miss it at all. If anything, I might have given <laughs> credit thinking they, they did play more with two safeties deep, but they didn't. Yeah. There was a couple times where they, had, they lined up two safeties deep and actually had one go up, go up at the snap, at the, you know, and, and try to rob the middle of the field. So even when it looked like they were playing with too deep, a lot of times they weren't. <laughs> it just, it, 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 it was, I don't know, it, it doesn't make much sense to me. <laughs> it really didn't. But I guess, I guess we'll see if they learn their lesson this week when they, they host Dallas. So we'll see what they do with Des Bryant this week. And, you know, I don't know. I I say this much. To be honest with you, I, I was kind of uh, surprised that the Steelers never just said, "Okay, well, we're just gonna keep bombing on Bashar Breeland." Like it seemed like that, that's what they did. Yeah. But they actually moved uh, Antonio Brown some. Yeah. Whereas what you could have done just kept trips on one side, three receivers on one side, and kept. Uh, Antonio Brown to to Breland's side and just kept bombing on them, but they didn't really do that. Yeah. So I wonder if the Cowboys might say that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna run trips on one side. We're gonna single up Breland on uh, on Dez on the other, and we're just gonna take his lunch money until they tell us to stop. Because I I really have serious questions as to whether Washington would ever adjust to that yeah. based on what I saw Monday night. Yeah. I. It's uh, it's something to behold. I mean, I thought Jim Hanslet was coaching the defense again there for a minute. And once again, I know I Joe Barry coached with the Bucks 
uh, he was a linebackers coach. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know him, but I I don't understand what he was doing. I, there was it, it was indefensible. Again, I, I can't defend that shit. I look at that on film. I'm like, what in the hell? Well, I know you're not, Joe. This doesn't make any damn sense. You got to do better than this, buddy. Well, we'll see if they learned anything. I mean, you know, and that's the thing about the first week of the season. I mean, I guess if your team's 0-1 right now, you can look at this and maybe think that surely they'll adjust. Surely they've learned from this. And move going forward, they won't make these same kind of boneheaded mistakes again. But it, it, the thing, it's not a mistake. Like, well, it was the design. The design of the defense. Now, the, de- the, the, the game plan was a mistake, but the, it wasn't a mistake. And it, uh, again, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm pissing in the wind, basically, trying to tell people <laughs> you know, not to go off on Josh Norman because that wasn't a real big problem here. But I'm just telling you, the only thing that would have changed is rather than people being. Uh, saying that, that Josh Norman was scared to match up with Antonio Brown. Now they be talking about he was trash and, and Washington paid him all that money for nothing because the game plan set them up for failure. The game plan failed the players on that team, period, point blank. Yeah. They're just, you know, putting them in a position to fail, it, it's hard to win that way. Yeah. So, uh, again, I know people won't listen. But I'm just telling you, it wouldn't have mattered all that much. On the plays that Bashar Breeland got beat on, it wouldn't have mattered that much if it would have been Josh Norman over there. Yeah. And, and in fact, it might have actually been worse because, once again, we know that, that those deep balls are something that Josh Norman has had an issue with, yeah. at least in training camp. Yeah. Well, and he doesn't have the kind of pass rush he had in Carolina either. Oh, man. Don't even get me started on that part. <laughs> <laughs> but that was something I said in the preseason. I, I didn't see where they were going to get passes from from anybody other than Kerrigan, and that's that's kind of holding up so yep. far through one game. Yeah, it really is, and that's going to be tough as you go through the season. I mean, you can you can camouflage a lot of things if you've got a decent pass rush. Yep. And again, like I say, remember this now. Like I said, it's not just that, that, that Josh Norman didn't travel, so. Even if Dez is lined up on Josh Norman, if they still playing their single high safety and they're not doubling Dez Bryant, he's going to get toasted this week. Oh, yeah. He's a bad corner, but because that's just what Dez does. Exactly. To single, to, to, to when he's singled up. Yeah. That's the reason why everybody else doubles him. I, I hope, I would hope for every Washington fan's sake that that coaching staff has learned their lesson. But if they haven't. Yeah. Like I said, it won't matter which side Josh Norman is lined up on. Yeah. It, it, all you need is a little bit of eggs and grits to go with that toast at the end of the day. <laughs> a little sausage. A little sausage bacon. Well, I you hope know. for every Washington fan's sake, too, except all the egg avies in my timeline that are yeah. upset about the, the Washington NFL team name thing. So. <laughs> That keeps that keeps me hopping during the regular season. Um, let's see. I, I, I want to spend a little time looking ahead to this week's games because I think we got some good ones coming up. Um, you know, Thursday's game, New York Buffalo. Obviously, two teams that probably pretty desperately don't want to be 
0-2 to start the season, but somebody's got to be at the end of the night here. I mean, I guess there's a chance they could tie, but... <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, 0-2 is not the end of the world, but it damn sure feels like it, right? <laughs> it's much so, worse, I think, if you're if you're either Rex Ryan and your second loss comes against your old team because you didn't beat them last year either. Or if you're 0-2 and, and you're the New York Jets, because then you got to go deal with the damn tabloids there. <laughs> oh, and, and, and it's a division game. Yeah. So it, 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 there's so many layers to this as to why you can expect both teams to put their best foot forward tonight. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. Probably another one of those close games yeah. at the end. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see some trick plays on both sides because, again – it's not on to you can come back from, but it just doesn't feel that way, especially yeah. at the time. And I don't think any media, especially the media in New York, is going to give either one of these coaches <laughs> a pass if they end up at on two. Yeah. So uh, you, you just just not where you want to be, but somebody has to lose. Yeah. Somebody has to lose, and so if anything, I think this game is going to come down to who makes the fewest mistakes, as most games do. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick um, threw an interception at the end of the game last week. Yeah. I, he did pretty good other than that, but he did end the game with an interception, basically. Yeah. So, um, and I'm not saying that Tyrod Taylor isn't, isn't uh, capable of doing the same thing. But, I, you know, if I had to put money on a team that, that maybe loses a game more than wins it, I might put my money on the Jets on this one. Yeah, I, I think so, too, because the injury report is not working out very well in Buffalo's favor so far either. They're going to have they're not going to have Cordy Glenn's already out. And I think that's the first game in maybe two or three seasons that Cordy Glenn's missed. But you go up against that Jets defensive line and you don't have your left tackle, <laughs> probably your best blocker on the field, you're, you're already got a strike against you before the game even starts. Oh, and they get Sheldon Richardson back this week too. Yeah. And, and listen, uh, that kid, Leonard, Leonard Williams is a beast yeah. inside. Scott, you just, you can't, you don't see many nose tackles make the kind of plays he pl- he made last week against the Bengals. Yeah, I, I was just so impressed with him. And then you got Mo uh, Wilkerson, and then you got Steve McClendon. That defensive line is going to be a fucking nightmare. Yeah, for good offensive lines. But you talking about an offensive line with a weak link with 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 a guy out? Yeah. Ugh. And now the good thing is they have Tyrod Taylor, who's very elusive. But yeah. man, look. There's only so much you can do when the defensive line is on your ass. Yeah. So uh, I'd expect a lot of quick passes and a lot of sacks. Yeah. Well, and two, they, you know, their Sammy Watkins status is still up in the air. Well, yeah, his foot or something like that, he yeah. might not get cleared. Yeah. And uh, this ain't the type of game where you don't want him, Mm-mm. right? Uh, uh, you're going to, you're going to, have to make some plays in the passing game. Yeah. Because I'm not sure you're going to run the ball either. Yeah. Against that defensive line. Uh, so when you left tackle out, Sammy Watkins out, it's not looking good for Rex. But, but again, 
this what I I'd expect Rex. He's gonna he's gonna do some things that you normally wouldn't expect him to do. He's gonna maybe fake a pun or something mm-hmm. like that, or have a whole bunch of trick plays because again, uh, that dude. Well, any NFL coach, but you know that Rex Ryan wants to be his former team. You Yo, know, yeah. you know that still uh, bothers him a lot that they fired him. Yeah, and then he's now he's got his brother coaching for him. Um, I, one way or another, it, it, on paper, it probably looks like the Jets are a prohibitive favorite, and I think I did pick them to yeah. win this game. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Bills pull an upset, just because sometimes those other factors, man, can 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 come into play and be uh, equalized. Yeah, you know, when when one coach decides to do stuff they haven't done. Or, or or isn't normally done going for it on fourth down a lot and stuff like that. Sometimes that can change the complexion of the game. Now that could also make it end up going the other way. Yeah. Right. You gamble on fourth down and don't make it. That means you end up, you could end up on the wrong wrong side of an ass kicking too. <laughs> but you, know, I, you never know. That, that's the great thing about this game is again. I think both teams are going to kind of sell out to get this this first win of the season so they don't go down on too. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, it'll be an emotional night in Buffalo too. Like we said earlier, this is it's Bruce Smith's going to be in the house. They're retiring his jersey at this game at halftime. So, if that you don't think that crowd's going to be pretty fired up, they will be. And and then so. Yeah. Exactly, because it's Buffalo, man, and it's one of the all-time greats getting his number retired there. So that's a that's a pretty big deal to, to, for something like that. So it's not it's not a game you want to lose if you're Buffalo for a lot of different reasons, and, and the same thing for the Jets too. But Buffalo's at home, so I always think there's a little more on the line in that situation. Um, let's see. Oh, hey, um, here's another one on the schedule to circle, probably Stephen. Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. That should probably just be a, a calm, collected, <laughs> very normal, very gentlemanly affair. Yeah, you know, they'll be shaking hands and stuff <laughs> after the game and, and, and giving each other high fives and wishing them well for the rest of the season. I'm sure this, this how, this how that goes, right? <laughs> well, Vontez Perfect's not playing this week, so it's uh, he's suspended. So maybe, uh, maybe there is one less factor at play there, but... Yeah, these two teams, it's never its never a whole lot of niceties when these guys get together. And that's why it's always so fun to watch, I got to say. Yeah, because you just never know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just never know. And one of the things you never know is who is going to melt down, right? Yeah. You, you kind of expect the meltdown, but you're not sure who is going to be or which team is going to be. Yeah, so, that could be the deciding uh, factor. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I... I um, they both won their first games too, so mm-hmm. uh, this this will this will factor into the division. Uh, one team wins, and one doesn't. You know, move on up to the top of the heap, or yeah. go back down to the bottom. Yeah, because uh, I think the Ravens won too, and you you might end up down there with the Browns. Who know, who knows? <laughs> and you don't want to be down there. <laughs> Hell no, nobody <laughs> wants to be down there. So um, man, it's it should be exciting. Yeah, uh, they don't have perfect, but uh, they got uh, Carlos Dansby. Yeah, in, uh, this year, and he's a fantastic player. Uh, 
in his own right. Yeah. And uh, they're just two really good teams, period. Yeah. Um, again, I, I don't think you'll see anybody singled up on Antonio Brown much this week. Uh, I think they're they're a little bit smarter in that regard. <laughs> yeah, and, and they know they know each other. Um, but when you look at it, uh, I would I would rather if both teams were at, at full strength. You know, if they had Burfitt yeah. for uh, Cincinnati, and if uh, Pittsburgh had uh, Le'Veon Bell and Martavis Bryant, but. Uh, even without those guys, man, both of these teams are strong. Yeah, really, really strong. And so, uh, I, I, I have not. This is a toss-up game for me. I can't really call it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, they both have playmakers because uh, mm-hmm. we talk about Antonio Brown, but AJ Green is not too bad himself. No, he is. A, he's a pretty a really good. Big game he's last a pretty week. good player. Yeah, he had a big game last week. Had people talking bad about Revis. All that good oh, stuff. yeah. So, um, and so, and both defenses are pretty good. So, uh, I, I expect it just to be a very good game. I'm thankful that I'm not a fan of either team, really, cause, so I can just sit back and enjoy it. Because I imagine <laughs> whether you're a Steelers fan or a Bengals fan, you're going to need a lot of Tums or uh, a Kale Peck tape. <laughs> by the end of this game <laughs> this week because, I mean, look, it, it, really and truly, if you look at these two teams, I don't, I'm not sure how you pick who's going to win. Yeah. No, it's a toss. Like I say, I mean, it's it's a straight-up toss-up as far as I'm concerned. And we're, like, I was just looking at our panel, and we're pretty evenly split on this. Yeah, I don't even remember who I picked, but it probably, I probably just it was a coin flip for me too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a it's a tough one. Hey, all right, there's one. I mean, I don't have time to get into every game, but there is one more I did want to bring up because I think it's a pretty interesting matchup: Green Bay versus Minnesota. Now it sounds like Zimmer hasn't confirmed it yet, but it sounds like Bradford's going to play instead of Sean Hill, and that's you know I, I'm not saying Bradford is the uh, is the best quarterback in the NFL or anything, but I think he's an upgrade over Sean Hill. And uh, Minnesota's definitely going to need every edge they can get over Green Bay. But you saw what Minnesota's defense did last week and, and just that turnover machine that that secondary is. And uh, it's an interesting matchup. I don't think it's maybe, you know, a lot of people are picking Green Bay and that is a logical choice, makes a lot of sense. But I don't think Minnesota is out of the mix here by any any stretch of the imagination. Right. And... and, and... The thing that they showed that was impressive, maybe more than anything else, is that they showed that they could win without Adrian Peterson having a big day. Yeah. Right? Uh, Sean Hill was not impressive at all. Uh, he did make a few throws, but, you know, he, he, was, he was pretty average, as most of us suspect, suspected he would be mm-hmm. or expected him to be. Uh, but but I think most people probably expected Adrian Peterson to have a bigger day. Yeah. But the thing about it is when teams don't respect the quarterback and they load the box up and, and kind of dare the quarterback to beat them and he can't, well, that makes for a long day for the running back. I don't care who it is back there. Yeah. So um, I think maybe this move, as much as anything else, if they do go with Bradford, is about – 
forcing the defenses to respect the passing game, even if they don't throw the football. Yeah. Uh, uh, even if they don't throw the football, just making them nervous enough where they don't just load up the box so that Adrian Peterson does have enough room to, to make some things happen. You, you can't it, look, it, you cannot be productive as a running back when you're getting hit in the backfield consistently. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that, that's just the, the truth of the matter. I don't care who you're talking about. Uh, you, you need a, a decent, at least a decent offensive line and you need to be able to keep uh, opposing defenses from stacking the box against you. Yeah. Uh, but here's my thing, and it goes back to what I said last week. They won with Sean Hill. Yeah. Sean Hill was, I'm looking at it now, he was 18 to 33 for 236 yards and no touchdowns. Yeah. But the biggest stat to me is no interceptions. Yeah. No interceptions, and, and I don't think he had any fumbles either. So no turnovers. Yeah. And, and I talked about this last week. When you have a team that's built the way the Vikings are, and you have an outstanding defense, a pretty good running game, uh, pretty good special teams. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, 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 Patterson, Cordero Patterson had a big kickoff, I think, to start the second half to help them get in scoring position. The, maybe the biggest thing is ball security. Yeah. You cannot turn the football over. You're going to be in a lot of close games. A lot of games will go down to the wire. But if you don't turn the football over, you'll have a good chance of winning those games because your defense is going to be good at creating turnovers and giving you good field position. Yeah. And all you have to do is finish off drives or, or kick field goals. Yeah. So now, while Bradford does give you the upside of maybe forcing uh, Green Bay's defense to, to, to play more honest and, and actually play the pass, if he turns the football over a couple of times, that could be the deciding factor in the game. Yeah. And, and like I said before, man, we're not just talking about him learning Minnesota's offense. Yeah. He's also got to unlearn Philadelphia's offense. Yeah. And, and he's got to be able to do that and process all this stuff quickly or else you won't be able to use much of the Vikings playbook. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know how, you know, uh, connected or similar the Philly playbook is to the Vikings, but if he's not on the same page with a receiver – or if he calls the wrong play in the huddle mm-hmm. or anything like that, maybe, you know, maybe get some delay of games because he's not getting the play in quick enough and stuff like that. Those little things like that yeah, could, could, could actually be the deciding factor in the game. So um, just to be honest with you, if I was Mike Zimmer, I would still kind of be, unless, you know, unless Sam Bradford went out there and just tore it up this week in practice. Yeah. Uh, I, I would still kind of be leaning towards Sean Hill because yeah. even though Sean Hill, like I said, he's not the guy who's going to light up a defense. Mm-hmm. He's not making the big bonehead play either. He's not making the turnovers. He's protecting the football. And with the way this team is set up, that can be enough for you to win the game. Yeah. It really can. So uh, it'll be interesting to see because if, if Bradford starts, and even if he plays decent, but he turns the football over a couple of times, yeah, 
and then they lose, man, I bet you, I bet you, Mike Zimmer is going to second guess himself on that. Yeah. Now he's got to play. With all they gave up, he eventually <laughs> yeah. has to play, right? He can't. He yeah. can't ride the bench forever. But uh, look, he better have just had the greatest week of practice known to man. Yeah. For a quarterback, if I'm Mike Zimmer, if I'm going to make the change, because again, I think that Bradford definitely has the more upside. He's the better quarterback, but he also could be the guy that goes in there and blows the game by turning it over. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's a tough decision no matter what. I mean, if they play Sean Hill and they get beat, then everyone's going to be, why didn't you play Sam Bradford? And if they play Sam Bradford and they get beat or he turns it over or something like that, it's going to be, why'd you play Sam Bradford? It's and this is this is I mean, we talk we've talked about Mike Zimmer before and and I think it's safe to say you and I are both big fans of him as a coach, but this is this is going to be this season's his toughest test yet. Well, it really starts this week. Yeah, you got the high expectations combined with the quarterback situation. Yeah. So I, I would definitely agree with you there. Um, it's just, again, I think that he has to be comfortable with it. I, I just hope that this decision is being left up to him and him yeah. alone. Like this isn't something that the front office is pushing because they gave up so much to get Sam Bradford. Yeah. And, you know, again, I can't speak – for Mike Zimmer, but just knowing how defensive coaches think, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times they would rather go with the sure thing than the hot shot if the hot shot might end up costing them the game. Yeah. Like, maybe may they go with the guy who can't win them the game, per se, in which case they get to, you know, rely on their defense and run the game, which is what most defensive coaches want to do anyway. Yeah. To win the game. Um, but but they just know that their guy won't won't blow the game for them. Yeah. And a lot of times that that gives them more of a a, a, a feeling of comfort. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, it, it looks like it's going to be Bradford though. Uh, just from you know all the the different uh, sources and stuff coming out <laughs> unnamed sources. And I, you know the funniest thing I saw yesterday was somebody had a report of an unnamed source saying that. Uh, Mike Zimmer was gonna was going to have Sam Bradford start this week, but he wasn't going to take uh, tell the team because last week when he told the team it leaked. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, what, what? <laughs> so, so he already told somebody, but he's not telling the team. So the team's going to find out from Twitter, and it's not going to get out. What? Huh? huh? <laughs> How did it make sense again? <laughs> but you know, but. This old that old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's been too many people that that have kind of said that the impression they got is Sam Bradford's going to start this week. So um, I, I think that that probably will be the case. I'm just I'm not sure. Like you said, it's a no win situation. If they they have to win this game, if they lose this game, then people are going to blame it on the decision of their quarterback, no matter who's playing. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. But 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 if Bradford plays and he definitely turns the ball over like you know if he plays and he's okay and he doesn't turn the ball over it's, it's harder to point the finger at him yeah but if he plays and it's apparent that you know maybe you started him a little too early or, or he turns the football over or whatever like I said I think for a defensive minded coach 
that's going to really bug the shit out of Mike Zimmer. Yeah. Like, he, he can, I think he can handle losing if they lose their way. But he'll hate losing if they end up losing because of turnovers and stuff like that. Yeah. That'll drive him. <laughs> Which isn't to say that Sean Hill wouldn't turn the football over either. It's just, that's just how it goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's a, and that's the Sunday night game too. And it's, I, I didn't, I forgot all about this until today, but that's also the opening game for the new stadium in Minnesota too. So you oh, kind of got a, a couple X factors there. Yep. No Absolutely. pressure, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Stephen, that has, this has been a damn good show. It's nice to be back in mid season form for week two. Don't you think? I think so. It's, it feels great. <laughs> you can't complain about that. Neither one of us are on IR. We're ready to go. My ankles are feeling good. My ACLs are intact. I'm ready to. I'm ready to go. It, it feels like it should be October already. Last year we'll be listed as probable, but since there's no more probable, we just aren't on <laughs> to report at all. So feeling good. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good week, and uh, we'll reconvene and talk about week two and look ahead to week three next week. All right, good deal.